Well, good day, everybody. Hey, this is Travis Turner with the We Are Intentional podcast. Just want to say a big thank you for everybody tuning in um, right now. I'm uh, excited for the show today because I've got a, a, a friend, a new friend. Brad Stein is going to be with us, and, and um, I was able to meet Brad for... The first time, probably about two and a half years ago, we were able to have him out in Idaho and um, just really fell in love with his heart. One of the funniest guys that I've ever met. In fact, um, just doing some research and background on him, uh, many people said, listen, this is the funniest guy that you could introduce your kids to. But uh, Brad has uh, been a comedian for a long time, I believe over 30 years now, and um, he's accomplished in that. He's an author. He's done some acting. Um, he's traveled to all 50 states, been in several countries um, outside these great United States of America. Uh, he's a patriot. He's a family man, and the greatest thing that can be said about Brad is that he loves Jesus, and, and I'm just super excited to have him today. Brad, what in the world has God been talking to you about lately? Well, apparently he's punishing me because uh, he said, I need you to talk to people in Idaho. So something, yeah. I don't know what I did. I don't know why I'm on his short list for, for you know, being reprimanded. But he said, go. <laughs> I'm going to continue to stick you in Idaho until you finally learn your lesson. Uh, you know what, brother? I... I I have been on a roller coaster ride like so many uh, people are. If you're a true Christ follower, it's never uh, it's never simple. It's never easy. The road uh, is uh, uh, constantly filled with challenges and ups and downs. It's part of what makes it fun. Part of what makes it interesting. Part of what makes life you know valuable. I guess is you don't know how the story ends. You don't know how all the chapters are going to play out. Uh, probably would make life a little bit less uh, interesting if you did sure. uh but by the same token you know you have your challenges and of course we've all dealt with those with this corona crazy um but i'm for the first time in my life and i've been doing comedy a long time and have been in the performing arts for a long time but really in the last few years it's become clearer and clearer to me that i'm finding who i am what i was designed to do while I had this short, brief moment on earth uh, to to do things that um, God had planned for me all along when he was knitting me in my mom's womb. And so uh, it's starting to uh, really uh, explode. And that makes me feel good because you want to feel like you're doing uh, some value while you're passing through uh, before you move into eternity where you don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, man. I, the older I get, I'm 50 this year, and um, I know you're a few years younger than I am, but uh, um, I'm 50 this year. I and, wish. Yeah, and one of the things that 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 is important to me is, man, I just don't want to waste a day. You know, there was a time in my life where I thought, man, I've got all the time in the world. I can, you know, I've got time, just whatever. And and. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I, at this stage in my life, I'm like, I want to make a difference. I want to be mm. purposeful, uh, intentional. In fact, yeah. the, the, you know, that's my word for the year of 2021 is the year of intentionality. And oh, by the way, I just want you to know, too, that um, Idaho is the promised land. It's the promise. No, no, no greater place I'd rather be than the great state of Idaho, especially with all the crazy that's happening in the world. Yeah. What's the national no, 
Well, you know, Nashville is like a lot of uh, conservative states and red states, if you want to use that vernacular. Uh, it's it's unfortunately uh, uh, is bluer, <laughs> but uh, it's like a lot of these red states. Uh, they're filled with conservatives and a lot of times Christians. But it seems like in the in the sort of the gateway to uh, the government and whatnot, the, the you know they're going to the. Uh, uh, elements where their where their uh, capital is or whatever a lot of times is of course left-leaning thought and so in that regard uh, nashville kind of has that it's interesting i didn't expect it um because uh, nashville is known for country uh, sure. western music yeah. and they're usually pretty conservative yeah. down yeah and of course known for christian music and they've always been cons we've usually been thought of as fairly conservative and believe the bible uh, and the and uh, uh, the, the the thousands of years of philosophical uh, acumen that has gone into uh, christians and apologists and philosophers trying to understand what god was telling us but there were standards uh, that have been created that that was the christian worldview of course, we're seeing that being upended now, right. and we're seeing and we're seeing uh, un more uh, more unfortunate. Our people under the banner of Christian are becoming heretical in how they in the, in what they decide Christianity actually is, sure. and that's as that it can't get more dangerous than that because uh, they mean well, I'm sure, uh, but they unfortunately take elements of of Christian thought loving your neighbor taking care of the downtrodden being cautious, uh, helpful to those who in need don't be self-righteous beautiful amazing christian virtues sure. that were given to the world that are beautiful and real and true uh but they use that and they add unfortunately a, a human element to it and a little bit more of a secular element to it yeah. and hijack it and they don't have the redemptive element to it there's not a part where you have to change your life and that, that you're supposed to your heart's supposed to change and that's really what makes christianity beautiful and valuable is it changes the person so you don't have to worry about laws you know I've, i do a lot of pro-life fundraisers i do a lot of uh, pregnancy resource center fundraisers and i love that but here's the truth i don't care if there is a law that states you have the right to abort your baby right. if nobody wants to who cares you can have all the laws you want. If people say, I don't think that's right, I'm not going to do it. I'm more concerned about the countenance of the human and how they see things and the behavioral to me is more important than any law because then you know that the person has changed, sure. not some coercive law that's supposed to demand some kind of virtuous uh, behavior because then it's not real anyways. If I'm forced to do something, I didn't do it for my will. Right. So it wasn't authentic. Sure. Yeah, it's powerful. You know, when you you know when you were talking, I was thinking the Bible talks a lot about doctrines of men, and we're seeing that more and more um, today, where where we take some some truth in God's word, but then we commingle it with cultural norms of the day, and we kind of create God to be uh, and Christianity to be whatever it is that fits our our lifestyle, our comfort, and um, and I guess one of my questions is because hearing you talk it really it's nice to know that that other people you know god's god's really stirring some people you know really around the world um you know things are shifting i think in a more powerful way um but where where do you think things started to slide i mean how did the united states of america um with its christian values and 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 you know the the 
the uh, scripture that we've been established. I mean, how in the world did we get to where we are in such a short period of time? Fairly larger uh, examination than we probably have time for in this particular podcast, but it's certainly worth uh, a cursory examination. And the reason I say that is because that kind of is what God has called me to do in the last number of years is to study these ideas because they interested me. As a comedian, as you know, I was at your church and had a great time. Uh, but my comedy that made me unique as I used Christian worldview as the social commentary. So uh, when I the world or the country or the things that I saw, it came from a Judeo-Christian perspective. No different than if a black comic says, here's how black people see the world, or here's how a fat guy sees the world, or here's how a woman sees the world. I said, I'm a Christian. I think it's the truth. I'm going to speak of it as though it's true. And that's my comedy. So, uh, but because of that, and because I had such an aversion to political correctness and started warning people about it and and really sounding the alarm uh well uh, longer than 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 this but the first album show you my age that i had that um i guess i'm most known for is called put a helmet on and that was the one that kind of launched me into the christian world that was shot in 2003 i had already been doing that material in the 90s okay. uh but 2003 so we're looking at um uh, whatever that is, 19 years ago, I was saying 19 years ago, uh, political correction is going to kill us. Sure. Uh, this is killing our ability to be free. It's, it's going to destroy our religious liberties. It's going to destroy our freedom to speak. It's going to be, uh, destroy our ability to be, uh, autonomous and to engage the culture from whatever perspective and not have to fear, uh, censorship or to be, uh, persecuted for, ideas i mean what could be more american than the first dimension anymore right? yeah no no well i mean there is it's just a matter of are the are the people going to ever rise up and say i don't care what you say i'm not right. doing this anymore that's the only thing remember political correctness i have a joke in, in one of my one of my albums uh where i said you know how you stop political correctness you just don't do it somebody says oh that hurt my feelings and i say i don't care and that's the end of that. You don't let it affect you because what it now, now here's the, here's the caveat. When I say even that joke right there, somebody watching this might go, oh, you're Christians. You know, you guys aren't supposed to offend people. I said, no, 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 no. We're not allowed to maliciously yeah. offend people. Hey, I'm not gonna, allowed to be offensive. Yeah, yeah, right. But, Jesus, but, but, it's going to offend some folks. Well, and earlier you said that, you know, there are churches that seem to have allowed the culture to more define their, their theology, right? Well, I that's think, exactly. Some churches, I think it's, I think it's the picture of the American church. And I'm not beating up on that. I pastor a church, I take full responsibility. But I mean, we've, we've really missed some things. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. this is, but, but the only reason that could be is because somewhere down the road like you were talking about we lost the uh the 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 vigilance to say that the word of god and the historical uh proven uh, perspective of behavioral and moral expectations of christians has been uh 
uh, watered down. And, and they did it by, I told you earlier that oftentimes they take Christian virtues and then they redefine them into a secular format, but act as though nothing's changed. And so one of those virtues, for example, that is from Christianity is uh, the idea of loving your neighbor and in Christianity, which is unique, loving your enemy. There's no other belief system that ever said that. That's absurd. Love your enemy, pray for those who despitefully use you. And I'm like going, yeah, but you didn't tell me what to pray. So can I pray that they blow up? Can I pray that they're destroyed? Can I, And, and of course the answer is no. No, you will pray. Now, you don't have to be friends with these people. God isn't a foolish, but he says you can't hate them. And you do. And I would pray that you would pray that they would come to repentance. That would be your prayer. Sure. Uh, but anyways, uh, what happened was there is a very specific just to try to listen. I'm hoping to get back to your church where I can do some more comedy, but also begin to teach on these things, because this is maybe we'll discuss this later. Hey, this is my new ministry. Remember. We're figuring that yeah. out. September, it's coming. So no, and this is this is this is what's happened to my comedy. It's it's become a ministry, but it's talking about these things, and coming alongside a pastor like yourself who sees the lay of the land, who's responsible for his parishioners day to day, whereas somebody like me can kind of come in and stir things up, sure. uh, because I have a very specific calling and then you can kind of come behind that and say now let's see what that meant and how we can apply this to our lives but there's an idea in christianity that has been forgotten i think and that is the idea that how do you assess uh someone's walk when they say they're a christ follower and and somebody says oh you're not allowed to judge well you you actually have to judge and and you just yeah, you have to judge. It's just which terminology are you using? And, and so in my case, in the Christian sense, you judge as in assessing sure. or, or evaluating fruit. That's what the Bible is constantly saying. By their fruit. There has to be something that di- that distinguishes a true Christ follower from somebody else, or we're not any different. Right. There has to be something that says, what makes you a stranger in a strange land? What makes you uh, a freak? What makes you odd? What makes you a peculiar people? There's something about you that we're supposed to look at and go, this isn't like other people. Now, when I talked about loving your enemy and praying for those who use you, to me, that's one of those things because your natural man says i'm not going to love my enemy that's ridiculous and it is it is ridiculous unless the god hurt him twice as bad yeah of course that's just natural god said i it is natural i'm asking you to live the supernatural naturally because your natural man is flawed Mm -hmm. if this was the garden of eden and you were a natural man where things were fine That'd be different, but your natural man is screwed up. So he can't go by your, your instincts anymore because they have to align to God's word. So here's what, what, like you just said, you'll be known by your fruit, but here's another part. I don't hear taught, uh, that Jesus said, uh, one of the assessments mm-hmm. that you're supposed to be able to evaluate about yourself even as to if you are an actual christ follower Mm -hmm. is you will be hated sure jesus said hey did they hate you don't worry 
They hated me first. So if you really are attached to me, you'll be hated for it. Now notice, like you said, hated for my attachment, my partnership, my synergy, the living God. Not because I'm a jerk, not because I'm self-righteous, not because I'm a legalist, not because I'm um, um, being malicious, to be, not because I'm a jackass towards people because I don't like them. Not be, no, 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 no. If I do those things, that's all me. That's me being a jerk and not being loving in my countenance, in delivering information. We're going to hate yes. because we are fighting the, the, the ultimate battle. Listen, you know me. I fight, you know, conservative and, and, and leftist, and I don't even say liberal this, anymore because I was. This I, isn't a, a, a right or a left issue. No. This is a Christian no. issue. Yeah. It's a Christian issue. And here, and, and black he, issue. No, not, not at all. Or... And no, it has nothing to do with that. Here's here's what it we're asked to do is to evaluate uh, if we are speaking truth, mm. because our battle is the same battle from the beginning of time. The battle is between will I serve God or myself? myself. The ultimate sin is pride. God said, I don't hate homosexuality the most. I don't hate murder the most. I don't hate divorce the most. I don't hate abortion the most. I don't hate hatred the most. I hate pride because pride is, breaks virtually all the Ten Commandments. You put yourself in front of God. Yeah. You worship yourself instead of God. You, you, I rule and the ultimate pride deliverer is satan and jesus said let me distinguish something i am truth from which all truth derives and satan is the father of lies my battle is not democrats it's not leftists it's marxist it's not blacks it's not whites it's not hispanics it's not immigrants my battle is between truth and lies that's all i have to evaluate and where that fits as a christian is all i'm and very much expected to be responsible for because our job as believers is to redeem the culture is to fix it now we can't because we're broken but we're supposed to do our due diligence and let god work individually with certain people who are going to get saved or changed forever and most will probably ignore us or hate us and that's how we know we're serving god because when you see you know, people being butchered in China and Nigeria and Iran, Iraq. Yeah, these folks who are, all they want to do is serve Jesus just yeah. like us, and they're murdered and whatever. Uh, and so this is the cost. Mm-hmm. This is the cost. And American Christians, because we were founded on a Judeo-Christian ethic, because the pilgrims said we're going to make a Mayflower compact that states this is for Jesus Christ, because we made a creed that said this nation will be founded on the fact that Jesus Christ is God. I believe God honored that, and he anointed us with a blessing unlike any ever seen in human history in any other nation on earth. But that can't be taken lightly as though it's a get out of jail free card. We got to maintain that Mm. 
Always, because we can become apostate. We can become heretics. We can walk away. And then God said, what do you want me to do? I can't defend you on this. I can't protect you on this. You walked away. And the church in America, and like you said, you're a pastor. I've been in all 50 states. I love the church. We're up in the church. The church literally is the body of Christ. And the church in America has become a business. That's just the truth. And the pastor has now sees himself as CEO, that his his uh, uh, elders and bishops are his uh, board members and his stockholders are his parishioners. And he wants to make sure the stockholders make a return, which means they want to hear the stuff they want to hear. And if they don't, they're not going to invest in the stock anymore, but they're not going to give you a tithe. And it became a business model. And I don't mean that the pastors were trying to be heretics. They weren't. I'm not saying that they were trying not to serve Jesus. They were. But it doesn't take a lot to get you off the vigilance of, of saying, God, I'm here to serve you. And if that means maybe I'm going to have to downsize my house or maybe I'm going to have to get an apartment or maybe, you know, it, it, because I have to say something that's going to cost me financially. Mm -hmm. If you're not willing to do that, yeah, you're not in ministry. I mean, you're not following God. You're trying to take care of yourself by ministering. And it doesn't, they can't, you can't do the boat. You can't serve God and mammon. You can't. Yeah, that's right. Right. A couple of things just real quick. Um, <laughs> Uh, very scriptural, right? The Bible says in the last days that there's going to be those that gather to them, you know, anybody that'll just say what they want, tickle their ears type of a deal. Um, I've been giving some, some, some thought to how did we get here for a long period of time? And one of the things, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, but one of the things is, is we have failed to raise people up to a place of maturity. Um, and I'm talking about, you know, you know, not everybody fits in this, but the picture of the United States of America, the church in the in the U.S., even your, you know, your largest churches, your mega churches, your mega mega churches. I think that we're filled with a great deal of people that are just infant in their in their walk with God, um, and right. I think that it's directly tied to our inability to disciple. Um, I'm a pastor of a church, been been at one location now for 11 years now. And I should be able to tell you if I was asked, hey, what does a good, strong discipleship model look like? What is that? You know, how do you, how do you raise people up from that point where they give their heart to Jesus to their reproducing? And, um, and I'm just telling you, I'm getting that worked out, but it's not obvious. And the reason why it's not obvious, and this isn't to hurt anybody, it's just to be truthful, it's not been really modeled to me well. And so I'm trying to figure out, looking at Jesus's life, his teaching, you know, coming alongside of some other folks that are doing a bang up job in this area. Yeah. But we have got to get this thing figured out. You were talking yeah. about judging, you know, you will know them by the fruit that they bear. And the truth is, is our churches are filled with with people that have been in church, committed to church. They're there Sunday mornings, you know, some churches Sunday, Wednesdays, they're, 
they're serving on the board, but whenever it comes to the you know implementation of the Word of God, it's like we know it, but are we walking in it? And and there's always a you know there's always a reason or a, a way out as to why we're not. And and this also probably happens more than it should with the people that are behind the pulpit. It's like, yeah, I know God's word says this, but I'm going to I'm going to do this. So anyway, I've been doing some reading. Uh one illustration that I've come across is uh is the evaluation of any family having, you know, different players in it. So you got those that are not saved, they're the unborn, you've got you've got the babies, You've got the children, you've got the teenagers, and then you've got the adults. And so one of the things we're doing here is, is, is we're talking to our team about identifying where the people in your team are at because you can't lead everybody the same. If you've got yeah. somebody that's an infant, you've got to figure out how to grow them up to where they're a toddler, you know? Yeah. Um, how do you get them to the teenage level? And so anyway, we're, we're at the beginning stages of a church of, 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 of really trying to change and be intentional about bringing two people to a place of, of maturity. And uh, that's well, what we're <clears throat> called to do, man. We are called yeah. to grow up in Christ. And so yeah. anyway... <clears throat> no, I think that's exactly no, 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 no. You're you couldn't be more right on. You know, and this is listen. Here's what I found out is there's a God's doing a purging, I guess, in the sure. United States, and He's saying, you know, I have to get rid of the posers. There's too many churchgoers and not enough Christians because I don't need churchgoers. I need people who really are modeling the the life of Christ. Now, like you said, it's not that easy because the things that I've studied, uh, the stuff that interests me, I'm interested in philosophy. I mean, personally, I just enjoy reading about it, thinking it through. I'm an intellectual. It's how my mind works. Sure. So it just really... Um, is natural for me to to, le to to be interested in logic and reason and uh, a philosophy and apologetics and theology. It just interests me and and the history of the church and how Christianity changed the West and political correctness because it's the greatest threat to Christianity has been because it's it's Marxism and, and it and it's anti-Christian. It's Marxist, and it and it and it's become a secular religion. So we're battling a religion in America. We're not battling uh, an ideology. We're, that's why people are so personal about it. That's why they're so adamant about it and get so emotionally attached when you attack it. Because you're not just saying, "Well, we have a different point of view." They feel about leftism and Marxism and political correctness the same way we feel about Jesus Christ, literally, because it's the only thing they have. That's where they went when they abandoned God. They had to find a counterfeit to fill the void. And that's where they chose. And they are this is they have all all of the concepts of Christianity, but it's done in a fraudulent, counterfeit, lying way, and they bought into it, and they're adamant about it. And because the culture is ruled now by the dissemination of information, and because those who disseminate information are leftists, so they uh, agree with these people's point of view and supplement it by supporting it with what they allow to be said in the marketplace of ideas and whatnot. They feel like they must be right because everybody agrees with us. No, we're not allowed to disagree with you. That's when you talk about the deception, you're absolutely right. That's what I've realized just simply hasn't happened yeah. is that you people are followed up 
Well, it goes beyond that too. If you want to get to the basics, um, I, it became so clear to me when uh, you go to uh, these these uh, moments where people are given the gospel presentation, and then it's time to decide if they want to accept Christ, right? Mm-hmm. And here's what you see. Come on. Okay, uh, if you yeah. would, uh, if you would, please, if everybody would just bow your head, close your eyes, bow your head, close. Nobody looking around. We don't want nobody you. looking around. We don't want to embarrass you. Okay, now listen, no, just so if that touch you, if you believe in that, you know, just just slight raise your hand, just put it up. Nobody will see. Nobody under don't want anybody to notice. Put it up, slide it back down. Don't want you to be there. And then we're gonna have you do a little prayer. Oh, wait a minute. I'd hate for you to say this prayer and, and nobody else said it, because then they'll know you just became a Christian. We don't want to embarrass you. How about we all say the prayer together so nobody really knows they made a right. commitment that cost wow. them some. And, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me. But you think that that person now is going to go out in the marketplace where people hate what he believes and is going to be strong and courageous and virtuous and mature and a woman. Oh my God, they're afraid. They've been taught from the get-go, you should be nervous and embarrassed about accepting Christ in front of Christians. Right. (laughs) What are you talking about? So if you've turned it into an embarrassment, you're clearly not committed. Well, here's the thing, brother, and you know this. You know, Billy Graham was maybe our greatest known evangelist in the United States, but when they did follow-ups on his hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people at every one of sure. his events that came in, and, and they did follow-ups two or three years later, these people, I don't know, it was like 20% maybe, 15% were still involved. Now, that's nothing against him. He was trying to do his thing, and he was Be making careful it careful not to talk about Billy Graham. You're going to make Billy- people... <laughs> Well, exactly. But but no, but Billy didn't do anything sure. wrong. He That's said, right. here's the gospel. All yeah. I can do is offer it yeah. to you. He's He can't go disciple every That's one of those exactly folks. Right. But my point is, I'm just being pragmatic. These people did not necessarily get saved, even though they accepted, they yeah. did the prayer, because the prayer isn't the thing. Yeah. The, the, the commitment of your life to Christ. I'm telling you, if you want to see the church change in America with the new, changed, saved, regenerate, re- uh, redeemed human being, it's going to have to look like this from now on. I've just given you the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is God who dimensionalized himself into a format so you could see him because you can't see God. He's a spirit. He made himself into a dimensional form. He did miraculous things so you could know this isn't a cult. This is legit. He died and came back to life with people proving it so you know that this is an actual supernatural experience so you don't have to wonder. There's no evidence. No, I've given you evidence. Unlike any, I created the world so you get to see the perfection of this incredible uh, natural world that couldn't come out of nowhere. And I've given you a book that shows that there were prophetic utterances to know that I'm not stuck in linear time. I've done everything I can do to make myself available to you as a three-dimensional person with five senses. And I'm the greatest thing that can be imagined. So I'm sorry, this is as close as you can get to me based on what you are, but I've given you as much information as I can. So if you want to accept the sacrifice that I killed myself for you, I could have just wiped you out and started over. I killed myself for you yeah. to show you what love looks like. And if you want to accept that sacrifice, I will call that even. You're just, you're redeemed, you're redeemed. You have to go work it out with, faith, with fear and trembling. You got work to do, but you're saved now. 
Yeah. That's what you get to do. But here's the deal from now on. With everybody's eyes open and everybody's head wide up. Yeah. If you are ready to accept Jesus Christ, you don't have to get up and stand. You just stand to your foot, feet. People around you who are believers, they're going to pray with you. Yeah. It doesn't mean me. They're supposed to be doing this anyways. Sure. And you and you're going to say, "Yes, I I am a sinner. I accept Christ as my savior, and so I am now willing to die mm -hmm. for Jesus Christ." That's what I'm making my commitment to. If you can't say that, my friend, mm -hmm. stay seated. Right. Don't accept Christ because it doesn't work anyways. You're not one of us. This is what's expected of a Christ follower, an absolute denial of the rest of your life to yourself. Now that is going to get you one saved guy mm -hmm. instead yeah. of 112. <laughs> but my brother, that guy will be born again. Sure. He'll be an actual mm -hmm. saved man. Then the discipleship begins. And here's another thing that people forget. I, I know I did. We read the Bible like it's this sort of sacred text that God uh, breathed life into men to speak it and leave it to us. And he did. But here's the thing that we forget. When you read the chapters of the New Testament, they were letters that a guy wrote right. to, 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 to people church. like us, to that church. Mm -hmm. So when you read it, this wasn't written. So, you know, I think I'm going to write another chapter of the Bible. God, give me some insight because I need to give some soup. He was writing to, hey, tell Joe uh, I'm going to bring his, his jacket back when I get back because I, I, he let, lent it to me. I'll bring it back. Oh, and by the way, that, that, uh, that, that blacksmith, uh, uh, da -da -da, he, he treated me like crap. So I just want to let you know he's not a good guy. I mean, this is like, what? He wrote a letter so they understood it and read it to everybody. They didn't know they were reading the Bible. Sure. They're reading yeah. guys' letter. They, they, the Torah they had, that was the Bible. Mm. They had the, the, the Old Testament. They didn't know they were given, this is going to be the way moving forward. So the point I'm making, though, is, so if you read it like that, what were they writing to them? How to disciple them. Mm. Here's how you live this life now. Here's what's expected of you now. Here's what I need you to do. Study to sow yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the right. word of truth. I mean, he was saying, here's what I need you to do now. You're going to be expected to study. And if you don't, and if you get in front of somebody and they talk to you about your faith and you don't know how to, how to, to answer it, I'm not going to pet you. I'm going to say shame mm. on you. Mm. Now, what has the culture gotten rid of in our, in, in nowadays? Shame. Sure. You can't fat shame. You can't slut shame. You can't this shame and that shame. They got all these 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 adjectives about what shame because we don't want anybody to feel bad. Shame is designed to bring you to repentance. Sure. Shame. So when you don't speak God's truth to somebody because you might hurt their feelings. This is political correctness and why it's so dangerous. I don't want to hurt this guy's feelings, so I'm not going to speak this truth. You are literally stealing their soul's opportunity to be convicted so it can repent. So you are loving them yeah. to hell. Mm. You are loving them wow. to hell. And you will be responsible when you stand in front of God and say, what have you done with right. this guy I brought in front of you? And you said, I don't want to hurt his feelings, so I'll let him burn. you got to be kidding. So here's my point, Pastor. 
Why wouldn't people tell others these things? I can only have one conclusion because they don't believe it's true. Mm-hmm. They must not believe the they must not believe there's really a punishment for, if you don't. They must not believe that this is true and needs to be said no matter what people think about me. If you're afraid to say, you don't believe it. Yeah. That is the guy that stands in front of God and says, look at all these things I did in your name. Yeah, we didn't. And he said, yeah, you used my name all the time. You were always using my name. I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah. You had no right to use my name. Mm. You had no right to that. If I go to use your name, and say, yeah, pastor, you know, is, uh, you know, gave me his credit card to go buy this stuff. He's, I never gave you that, right? You used my name and it was an imposter. Mm -hmm. You were not given permission. You used a name that didn't belong to you. Mm -hmm. And this is where we're at. This is what's going to happen. And, and, and this is, I mean, it sounds (laughs) hopeless or, or it sounds, you know, that there's a lot of negativity. Of course there is. But I think, my, my brother, that let's look at that as um, an impetus to say, okay, let's get busy. Let's start changing the culture in yeah. Christian America. Let's start changing that culture. Let's start understanding that the original uh, church, that's my grandson, right. uh, that, that came Hello. in, Uriah. I, 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 hey this there. is Uriah. Hey, that's Uriah. Uriah. Listen, buddy, I got to... Grandpa's doing a, a bit, you sit right there. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the culture that, that can be changed. So let's not look at it and wring our hands. Let's say, okay, this is where we're at. Come on. But let's believe in a third great awakening in America. Let's pray for that. Yep. Let's believe in the, in the first century church model mm-hmm. where all the churches together are available to help each other, defend each other, protect each other. Because if this persecution and oppression and suppression of our faith continues in America, then we will be persecuted to a place where we will not be able to buy and sell as easily. We won't be able to get jobs as easily. This is just simply what it means. So let's prepare for that. Take care of each other. Get ready for each other's necessary needs. That's what the first century church did. They sold everything, not because they were communists, because they had no other options. Nobody else is going to help us. People had needs. Because we had, yeah, they did it out of their own desire to help the brothers in Christ. So what I think God is saying is, let's see if we can do something afresh. Let's see if we can do something new. And so, yes, I think that the church is going to have to return to the teaching of apologetics. It's going to have to turn to the teaching of uh, of, of philosophy mm-hmm. so we can understand why we believe the things we believe. And so with that, we don't just say abortion is bad. We need to be able to say Christianity has taught the West that human beings are intrinsically valuable as opposed to instrumentally valuable. We're, we're valuable because we're the, this is the only belief system that said you're made in the image of God. Once that was established in the West, people that were children suddenly had rights. Women suddenly had rights. You know, uh, uh, the, the, the slave suddenly had rights. This had never happened before because of those ideas. So Christians not only shouldn't think of it as like, oh, I got to study all this crazy no be excited you're about to find out why jesus christ saved and changed humanity forever because this these things all this fights against racism or slavery that ended because of christians because they said this ain't right 
This isn't how the, the Greeks and Romans, you're supposed to have slaves. This is the way the world works. Mm. This is a natural to say you shouldn't have a slave. Christianity exposed that to the world. This is exciting. We have the truth of how the game works. That's right. This is how it works. This is where it went wrong. Here's how we fix it. And we're only going to be here for a second. So let's get busy, do some damage for the kingdom. Because once we get with Jesus, we're done. So let's do it while we can. And let's face it, brother, ain't a lot of time left. Sure. sure. And uh, with that, man, I just, I, uh, it, I think some people can just beat up on the, ch on the church. And I'm not in that, in that, category i believe that god's still on the throne people are still getting saved we're just not growing up we're missing the mark yeah. but i also know that when god begins to speak he begins to speak all over the world and what you are hearing is exactly man i can relate to it and what this is doing it's it's challenging us up like listen you've been kind of sliding 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 now it's time to take your position and yeah uh, and get things you know back on track here yeah. so yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, that I don't want it to make it seem negative or no, or or depressing, but to say, okay, now we got marching orders. That's so let's right. get to work. Come yeah. on, we got a job to do. That's right, and I believe that that's gonna you know that's gonna happen all over, all over the place. But uh, I wanted to read a scripture to you just real quick. It's Colossians chapter one and verse twenty eight, and this will give us a little bit more just to bounce back off each other. But uh, it says this: He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everybody fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all energy Christ powerfully uh, works in me and through me. So the idea here is found in 28 that we may present everybody fully mature in Christ. I was doing some research on this and then also in the book of Corinthians. Corinthians uh you know, Paul was addressing the Corinthian church. He was like, listen, I want to address you guys spiritually, but I can't because you're not at that place. I've got to, I've got to, I got to speak to your flesh. And, and, um, and, and anyhow, Paul went to the Corinthian church or before it was the church in about 50 AD. Corinthians was written in 55 AD. And so, so in that five-year period, he is showing us that you've already had some time. You should be further along than what you are. You fast forward to the book of Hebrews, which is about another 30 years later. Um, the book of Hebrews is written. What did he say to them? He said, listen, and whoever wrote that, Paul or whoever you think it is, but, but he said, listen, by this time you should be off of the milk and onto the meat, but I've got to, I've got to reteach you some of the fundamentals. And so I think it's interesting that what we're dealing with today is something that was dealt with in the first church, you know, with yeah. the, it, it was, it was a challenge then and it's a challenge today. And I'm just telling you, this, that I feel so encouraged. I believe that whenever yeah. the Bible says that, you know, you can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. He's got you, my friend, positioned doing what you're doing right now, which is different than anything you've ever done. And he's right. stirring me up. He's got me yeah. positioned, which is somebody that's dealt with insecurities. You know, what do I have to offer? You know, what, what value do I have to bring? You know, I, I've got a real colorful past, you know, 
who's going to listen to me. But I'm telling you, the anointing of the Lord is on. It's on you. It's on me. It's on every other single yeah. person that might be listening to this. Yeah. That's a Christ follower. That's 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 you know hearing the. Well, let me let me uh, let's take our position and do what we're called to do. But right also, if, uh, just just as an encouragement, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, you're you know. I I wanted to be a comedian. I did not want to go into ministry. Sure. I, I just I just I, I and, and I don't know why. I maybe I felt unworthy. Maybe I felt uh, uh, maybe I just was lazy. It's like no, I don't want that responsibility. Just let me be a comedian. That's easy for me. I, I love that and whatever. And when I had this sense that I can't, the only way I can explain to people is when I would be in front of church folks and I would speak things about the church or about Christ or about God or whatever that was different than just the comedy. People were like locked in and I could just sense and I would tell my wife, I don't know what this means, but I feel like I'm supposed to be in ministry because when I get to that moment, I feel like this is who I am. That's the only way I can describe it. Like this is who I am. This is what I was created to be. But I want you to understand that I felt like just to be, you know, authentic. I guess I felt like I was abandoning my dreams. I wanted to be a comedian. I wanted to be an acting performance art is what I love. And it's what I was gifted at. So I wanted to do those things. And I felt like God was basically saying, in, in, isn't it what we always feel like? Whatever you love, yeah, whatever you really care about, he's going he, to take that. Right. He doesn't want you to have anything, anything you want. Yeah. And I kind of felt that what way. A terrible and, picture of who God is, right? Of course. It's so and, wrong. And, and when I went to leave California, I lived there for many years. And I, when I was moving to Nashville, because I felt like I was, and this was 19 years ago, and I thought I was supposed to move uh, and take my family. And I wanted to be in sitcoms and this and that. And so I'm in Los Angeles, I'm in Hollywood, you know, and I'm leaving. And I'm not going to New York, which is another place where you can do television. So I felt like I'm going to, this is 20 years ago, I'm going to Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, yeah, there's some Christian acts there or whatever and some kind but you know clearly it's not television or film or whatever and i literally said i guess my dream dies today i guess i quit i guess i don't get what i thought and i'm heading this way and i kind of took a big gulp and said i'm driving my family taking them they're going with me i'm the dad so they they're stuck and i said okay god let's turn the page what let's see what you have for me well in the 19 years that i left Hollywood that I needed to do the films or whatever and went and went to here. You know, I've probably been in 12 films <laughs> since then, uh, you know, documentary or two, uh, 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 doing my live events, did it in front yeah, for promise keepers for years. So I was in front of 10, 15,000 men in an auditorium performing, uh, you know, six albums out, uh, and, and continue to do it. He never took my comedy. He just said, but it's mine. It, I I own your funny. I I don't. I gave it to you right. for my purpose. So what I'm trying to encourage po folks to say is this: Yeah, you'll be asked to give your life away. Yeah, you'll be asked. You don't get to keep anything, anything that you want. It's you have. God will give you gifts. He'll give you passions, and then he'll say, "Now give it back." Give it back. And let's see what I do with it. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to want to. Mm -hmm. You're going to want to take the gifts and spend them on yourself. Because yeah. that's the human nature. He's going to say, I'm going to ask you to give the gifts I gave you back to me. 
So I know that you're willing to lift the dagger mm. over your son. Yep. Didn't stop him when he brought him up the hill. Didn't stop him when he tied him up. Didn't stop him when he put uh, you know, wood under there. Didn't stop him when he grabbed his knife. Didn't stop him when his son said, what's going on? Uh, don't, aren't we supposed to get a sacrament? Yeah, Didn't we're... stop him when he said, God, I'll pray, waiting for something to happen in intervention. Didn't stop him when he stood over his son. Didn't stop him when he took it. Didn't stop him when he raised it. Only when he started coming down did he said, okay, now we got business to yeah. do. I had, God knows what's going on. He said, I had to make sure you knew yourself that you were abandoning everything for my sake. Yeah. You had to know yourself. Mm -hmm. So once I gave it all away, you, I mean, the Bible talks about you're a slave, you're dead, you're crucified. Mm -hmm. This is not, not you know, I get to make the rules. Yes. You know, and, and God will just kind of anoint whatever I choose to do. He said, no, no, no. Until you get out of the way of yourself, mm -hmm. I can't use you. Yeah. And so, so once, once I, I did, did one word that comes to my mind, and it's a word I've been pondering, it's the word surrender. When we come mm -hmm. to him, man, it's got to be a full surrender, God. It's not mine, but yours right. for my life. Well, and when you surrender, though, you feel vulnerable. Yeah, for sure. You feel like you're going to be exploited and you're going to be, uh, uh, you know, manipulated and harmed. Well, not God. Yeah. When you when you become vulnerable to him, he said, that's because I need to have full access yeah. so I can begin to do the work. And so when you guys begin to decide, I'm talking about. Christ followers who are really serious about this. When you're really to decide to say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to learn these things. I'm going to start learning. You know, pastor's going to start some class on Monday nights and we're going to start learning philosophy. He's going to have a Tuesday night thing. We're going to start learning that whatever your thing is, whatever God tells you to do, but this is what is expected. And I might have to, in my job, somebody says something, I have to say what's true. And it might get me fired when we're ready to go that committed. Then he'll say, you what, You have no idea mm -hmm. what I'm going to do with you and what can can be given to you because um, you're available to me. So it's not, it's scary. It's not easy. It comes with some pain. It comes with some, some uh, tweaking and some shaving off and some uh, refining that it all hurts. <laughs> And it's hard and it's difficult. And in the end, uh, you'll look back and go, I see why I did it and it was worth it. Let me tell you something, guys. You're going to, you're, if you're alive and watching this, you're eternal. You're eternal. It's where you're going to spin it. That's the question. But you're already eternal. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that you live forever. Right. But in that eternal life that you get, okay. You get this much of eternity that is on this realm as a three-dimensional mortal human being. It's, it's the smallest segment of your eternity is right now. But this is the only time in your existence that you can give something to God that he doesn't have. Wow. This is it. Powerful. Your commitment, your faith, your obedience, he doesn't have any of that. Mm. You have to give it to him. Yep. 
It's the only time you can withhold something to, from him. Once we're in heaven, you are fully known, just as you fully know. You see clearly. You hear everything. You don't need to ask, why did this happen? You don't cry anymore. You don't lose loved ones anymore. You don't get divorced anymore. None of it. You're free. This is your only chance to actually enter into the throne of God and say, I got something for you. Here's something I saved on earth. It's not much, but here's a couple times I did what you asked me to do. Here's a couple times when I, I went ahead and did that. It's, I know it's not much, God, yeah. but I have something to give you. Yeah. This I, is it. I, I tell you, I, uh, I knew that I was called to the ministry for many, many years before I ever answered that call. Yeah, and, me um, too. you know, I was in the party scene and drinking a lot and just self-serving. You were talking about who's on the throne. I was on the throne. I knew that at some point there was going to be a time where, you know, I would make that surrender, but it just wasn't, it wasn't today. And for the listeners, this is for, this is for anybody that's tuning in. I'm telling you, the, best decision that I ever have made is to receive and surrender to Jesus Christ. I, I got so many things wrong, but I'm telling you, whenever I gave my heart to Jesus, it was a surrender. It wasn't half-stepping. I've never half-stepped in my life. I gave him fully access, you know, full access to my life, and I, I got rid of all my friends and everything else. It's the absolute best decision I've ever made. And so if you find yourself you know, not being able to fully commit, I just encourage you, you know, uh, because, you know, the Lord will position you, he will use you. Like there's nothing that makes sense about me pastoring uh, a, a church of, of 500 people um, right now. It makes absolute no sense. But Christ in my life, man, I've got now something to offer. And Christ in your life, you may think you have nothing to offer. You can't, you know, you can't do anything significant or great. I'm telling you, a surrendered life to Jesus, man, will take you further. And he will, you know, he'll use your life in, in, in ways that, that, that you've only read about in somebody else's life. And so I just encourage you in that. And Brad, I'm sure you're the same way. I don't know if you've ever dealt with insecurities or, or, you know, not thought that you were valuable enough or I, well, I know this, that you've got your own podcast that you started up around this Corona, you know, issue. In fact, it's called, and I, I wanted to ask you about that. It's called Brad Stein has issues. What, where did you come up with the name and what is that, what does that mean? Well, it's Brad Stein has issues started, uh, as me trying to, find a, a place to talk about God and country and things that mattered to me as a conservative and just have a place to do it that was funny and interesting because there's not a lot of times, you know, you don't see a conservative or a Christian that has humor, but but insight and, and sophistication. That's what I was shooting for. Not that I pulled it off, but it was a YouTube thing. And uh, to be honest, you know, we were hoping maybe we could monetize it and try to make a lip, you know, help me have an income sure. while I t told this, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, I don't know what I'm doing. And um, I didn't know about social media. I mean, I'm an older guy, so I, you know, I had to reverse engineer learning all that stuff about the way people communicate now. And but what interestingly happened was there was a Christian guy who was trying to do podcasts, and and he has his own studio in California. So he said, "Hey, you know, why don't we shoot these things?" So I began to experiment with how best to do it, and what I ended up landing on was was taking a 
cultural issue and just expounding on it as opposed to what people are used to, which is seeing me do comedy and then maybe saying a couple of lines, but then staying with comedy. How about I just really talk about this issue and see if we can find some intrigue into it and some insight into it. So that's what I started doing. It would be eight to 10, 12 minute rant, almost like the opening of a, the daily show or Bill Maher's show or something like that. But again, Christian conservative. Well, then Corona hits and changes the world. And I started going on Facebook live literally to, came, I wonder if anybody's even interested. I just, I'm bored. <laughs> Let's see if somebody would be interested in me. Cause I don't think I'm any big deal. And a few hundred people just pop up and it's like, they're watching go, what? I'm just sitting here talking. What the heck? Who cares? So yeah, definitely not, don't have a big ego that I think I'm somebody. But that became, I said, I guess this is a podcast. So the other one, which I which was more of a YouTube show, uh, became, remained there. And then I started doing the podcast, which was on Facebook Live. And so that's been growing into something. People started giving to this ministry because they said, we want what you're giving. I'm going, okay, I guess, again, by your fruit. Well, not only does it... I hope help to find that you're on the road, but it also helps you discern, I guess, because as human beings, especially if you're in ministry and you're trying to deliver God's word and you have that responsibility, you're always going to feel like, I don't, I didn't do that right. This can't be any good. You know, I think you probably should feel like that because it's a right. quite an expectation. Not only that, the Bible says you're doubly judged when you teach. Right. There's a, there, you, you have Very extra well. commitment. Yeah. So there's a lot to it. So I started going, man, can, and then I would, people would comment in the thread. Oh, I needed to hear that. You know, you just speak the truth. We need more. And, and, and again, not an ego. I didn't need it, dude. Sure. I've been doing comedy for years. I had people give me standing ovations and clap and get my autograph. I know what that is. So I don't need somebody to tell me I know how to communicate. That's my gift. I needed to feel like it had value to it, that there was a depth to it that had, I'm not here just to waste time. I don't need uh, the accolades. I don't need to be on stage. I get that. Yeah. I wanted this to have have some some Meaning. weight to it yeah. yeah and that's and when people said that i said oh i guess god is telling me to do this so now you can go on patreon right and yeah. and do a five or a ten dollar a fifty dollar a month thing to help me do the podcast so i can grow it into a bigger thing and have guests and stuff like what you're doing but then they can now go to Brad Stein has issues as a it's a it, it's only for the people that join the Patreon, sure. so it's an added bonus. So it makes value out of that, uh, but it allows people to have an incentive to to help yeah. my ministry. I am a five hundred one c three. I became God's Comic Ministries because I knew that if I don't put this flag down and say I really am in ministry, then I'm going to compromise i have to really decide i'm one of these now guys yeah. and You're and uh, it now. i'm committed because i'm literally calling it a ministry as opposed yeah. to i'm just so anyways Canadian this that, has been a long story if you know uh, we're going to get out there and perform uh in uh, at your church in september and maybe we can have a time for q a and i can even go into depth and in some of what happened to me some of the dark dark places i had to go to to figure out what god was telling me to do but maybe it will encourage somebody to realize if you're serving Christ, let me tell you something. It comes with some dark valleys. That's part of the, that seems to be part of the formula God calls us, calls us to, to purge us and prepare us mm -hmm. to move into the deeper places as you have these dark nights of the soul, man. It's not fun. It, it's misery, yeah. but it's part of the, part of the, 
sanctification, I guess, of what you're about to do. You got to go into the Holy of Holies and you got to get ready and it ain't easy. And there comes a lot to do with that. This is a spiritual dimension of our faith that is rarely explored and expected. I'm telling you, it's the shallowness of it. It's the, it's the, it's the simplicity of what we've expected of Christ followers as to why it's become so lackluster and has lost so much and how easy it was for the enemy to sow seeds of heresy. And, and we have entire denominations that are heretics that have exactly left right. the faith yeah. uh, under the name of political correctness. Yeah. And they have embarrassed and destroyed the power of, of, of the Christian philosophy uh, and, 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 reimagined it into a secular version uh of of uh, uh niceness and uh tolerance jesus we were never called to be tolerant we were called to be love yeah. we were never called to not judge we were called to judge righteously it's all been lost by these people who yeah. think they're being kind and so they're either evil and devious or they're completely blinded and need to return because they're in danger of hellfire and they think they're believers. That's how bad this is. Yeah. So again, not to just act like I'm some amazing, you know, have some insight that nobody else has and God is, I'm no, but I'm just like everybody else. I'm just on the same journey as everybody else. But clearly, I'm trying to follow the original plan that we have thousands of years of Christian history uh, to know what is expected of us in certain behavioral expectations right. and certain uh, uh, disciplines. That's a, there's another thing that you don't see a disciplined life. Well, what do we get? What word comes from discipline? Disciple. That's exactly right. So this is the, the new Christianity is going to have a role. Wow, that's a big one. The new American Christianity, brother, is going to have a lot fewer Christians, yeah. but boy, are they going to be powerful people. <laughs> Let me tell you what the Lord put on my heart um, end of last year, that there's going to be a great, and and certainly I'm not a, not a prophet. I do believe that God from time to time gives me some insight. There's two things that he gave me. Number one, 2021 is going to require a lot more than 2020 or any other year ever did. I apologized to my church. I got up on a Sunday morning and apologized to them for asking them to only give God about five minutes a day in their Bible. Give God just the first of your day and the last of your day. You know, before you go to bed at night, you know, pray, you know, to the Lord. Just just give him a few minutes. It's kind of like that, you know, hey, with your eyes closed, yeah. every head bowed, we don't want to embarrass you. Yeah. You know, just God, give God the, the, the you know, the basics. And, and I just challenged our church up that, listen, 2021 is going to cost you. It's going to, it's it calls for more than anything that you've given, but it's worth it. And um, and so anyway, there there was that, and then the second one was that there's going to be a great falling away. I believe that a lot of people in the church are going to fall away, but also there's going to be a brand new harvest of people that have not been raised in the church. Maybe they have, um, but there's going to be an incredible harvest, an incredible coming. You know, uh, uh, you know, people coming to the Lord that are that are that are sold out. Man, it's like I don't care whatever the cost is. And so, once again, 
Um, I do believe that that uh, that we're going to see more and more of those things happening. It's exciting to be a Christian. Um, it's exciting to be, you know, in the kingdom. I certainly don't want to be a, one of those that, you know, hear that, uh, you know, hey, we've done all these things in your name. We've cast yeah. out demons. We've laid hands on the sick. Um, and he yeah. says, department for me, you, you know, you workers of iniquity, because I did not know who you were. I got one question, then we're going to close this thing down here. Um, My question is this. There's an all-out attack on masculinity. There's an all-out attack on, on men being men. And um, and I believe that that's intentional, just like the whole PC problem that we have. Um, but what would you say to our our listeners today, um, our our men that might be tuning in, that feel like they don't have a voice, feel like that you know their involvement in somebody else's business is is not acceptable? I, I can tell you this: when I was a kid. If, if if my dad, when I was young, um, you know, saw somebody cursing in the same vicinity that we were and my mom was there and, and us kids were there, he, would, he wouldn't be looking for a fight, but he would get up from the table and he would walk over and he would have a, a, a kind conversation just saying, hey, listen, I got my kids over here. You know, I got, I've got my wife that's present. Can you please, you know, change your, your language? Today... I am amazed, um, and and even women in the vulgarity that's out there. Just the words that we don't we don't care. We don't care how we carry ourselves. We don't care who might be listening. But I'm just saying, I I believe that it's largely in part because men have lost their position. And mm. um, I just wonder if you have anything to say um, about that before we bring this to a close today. Well, uh, I guess what I would say is, you know, I did a lot of work with Promise Keepers, like I said, over the years. So, you know, got to see a lot of men's ministry and a lot of men. And, yeah, they're they're hurting because, you know, uh, uh, there was a book uh, by David Murrow called Why Men Hate Going to Church. And uh, he's a friend of mine. But um, he talked about how a lot of times the church was kind of, dis- I don't know if when it happened or whatever, or that it was always this way, but that the church kind of was catering to women, uh, that, that even if you walk in and he would talk about how there'd be tapestries hanging from the walls and there would be ferns and flowers and there would be this carpeting and this, that, and, and there would just be this uh, almost sense of a feminine to it. And, and, and men would kind of whatever, you know, men are really good at giving, the wife what they want or letting the women have their things. So we don't, we're not going to sit and, and fight about it. But I think what happened was they began to feel like this isn't really for me. I'm here and I'm participating too, but it, they're really trying to cater to, to the women, make them feel safe and comfortable, whatever. Um, there's no, um, you know, elk heads on the wall. There's no swords out there. There's no bloody uh, uh, armor. Uh, there's, yeah, there's no battle scene. You know, women will get, you know, uh, all these flowers handed to them on Mother's Day and the petals will be tossed and they will be brought on chariots into the, because it's the greatest and God bless mothers. But Father's Day, it becomes, gee, uh, uh, let me tell you how you can be a better dad or here's how God is a father. It's like they're not given, you know, we should be given Glocks, you know, when we walk in, you know, uh, and we should be given, right? Yeah, and things. But, but, you know, but my point is that um, the church was founded by a man, Jesus Christ. Uh, 
obviously God is male and female because he said he made right. them in his image. Right. So I'm not, not taking away from the, the equal need of women in the ministry. But I, I can just say right now, the single most difficult group to gather and to energize in the church is men. The hardest to get them to show up, to participate, and even to feel where do we belong is the men. And I will go be as bold as to say, and it is the single most important group in the church. Not the children, not the not the women. And yeah. God bless all of them. We need sure. them. But if the man isn't energized, then the family flounders. Yeah. If, if the father goes, the wife is happy to join. The kids, of course, are going to go. So what I would say to the men is you you are being attacked. You are being told by culture. I mean, how dare they use the term toxic masculinity, that, that your very nature, your masculinity is toxic just because it exists. How dare you have the audacity to tell my, my identity? Isn't that what we're all about now? How we identify? You're telling me that my identity is toxic because it's not like yours or because it intimidates you or because you're frightened. And let me make this clear. Uh, a masculine man doesn't mean he has to have uh, been a great athlete or he's a tough guy or he can fight or he's got a gun rack in the back of his truck. Uh, I, I need a masculine man that does IT work. I need those nerds who can run my computers. They're masculine, their strength and their powers in their mind and how they use it. No man is not... Is, is is less necessary. We're all needed for each other. But uh, the get back, buddy. But uh, the idea that you are toxic, there's something intrinsically wrong about you is the enemy's attack. You don't have to fear that or think something's wrong because you want to be strong and and powerful and stand up for things. Not only do you not have to fear it or think something's wrong with you, just the opposite. The reason that the enemy wants men to lack uh, strength and courage and 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 uh, relationship is because we are so so dangerous mm -hmm. to him. When men put their minds together, mm -hmm. okay, uh, they create things like the United States of America. They create things like the Constitution. They create things like the Mayflower and the and the Mayflower Compact to say, let's start a whole new nation. They create things like airplanes and computers and cell phones, and they go to the moon, and they're the ones that take the hard jobs that in construction, and they're the ones that die more on the job than women, and they're the ones that, that, that take the riskier jobs. They are not only necessary they god made us first so are we better than women no are they equal to us absolutely are they just as necessary you better believe it and not only that they're better looking and they have all the parts i'm looking for so i'm not in any way uh uh taken away from <laughs> taking away background hey buddy <laughs> but uh he's, he's, and, a, he's a climber boy yeah. But anyway, so all you guys, uh, yes, you have to be disciplined. Yeah. Yes. To be a man doesn't mean you get to run roughshod and do whatever you want and, and treat, treat people uh, disrespectfully. There is a discipline to being a masculine, but the idea of, of a time and a place where you have to, to, to come in and be strong and be a warrior and, and fight the good fight and, and seek justice and do the damage that needs to be done, that's your God-given role. That's, that's right. your purpose. Wow. And, and when the church men become that, trust me, 
we will do damage for the kingdom. That's our purpose and our role. So go forth and uh, maybe, like I said, maybe when I come out in September, you know, let's have a, a men's night. Let's have a men only where we re-energize and say, guys, for, let's leave this place being warriors. Yeah. For Let's have awakened warriors for Christ. Forget woke Awaken warriors, who are, who are, and that's who we become. Yeah, I tell you what, man, I feel strong after just listening to you just for a few minutes, man. Brad, thank you so much. This has been so good. I know for a fact that we're called to do life together. We're going to bring you out here in September. We're going to do a men's group. We'll have a comedy night. We'll figure all that stuff out, but it's coming this September. Um, anybody in our local area, please come out and and uh, and be a part of that. Also, uh, how would people track you down on YouTube, Instagram? On okay, well, you can go to uh, – so you go follow me or like my uh, Facebook page, uh, Brad Stein Comic, I think it's called. Uh, or and uh, you can uh, go. I'm on every Monday night uh, at 7 p.m. Central Standard is my Facebook uh, Live, which is my podcast. You can then be a Patreon member. I'll have links that you guys can post, uh, and, and that way you can access Brad Stein. His issues, what you're talking about, and you can go to bradstein.com, uh, which also will give you a lot of inf information about uh, who I am, where I'm traveling, what I'm doing. I've got some. We're trying to. I, I got some good people thinking about doing a sitcom kind of thing from a conservative Christian thing. I got a guy that's thinking about a, a late night show that they want to do a pilot. God's just doing a lot of work in my life, but a lot of what I want to do and believe I'm being called to is the church is a live events with comedy, but to engage and inspire the church, tell them to lay a land, let them know what political correctness is, how we need to defend and to fight ourselves in the future, but that I am not called to be an evangelist. I hope people get saved, but my call is to the people who think they're in to say it's time to get busy and, and to, to live this like it's real because time is short that's what i'm here for cool man well it's good to have you to everybody else just want to say thank you for tuning in to we are intentional this is a podcast about intentional living i want you to know that whatever it is that god is calling you to do you can do you should do it's time for you to take your position greater is he that's in me and in you than he that's in the world it's time to rise up it's time to be the church it's time to be men be women uh take our position and uh, and and let's just uh let's just do some great things thank you again for tuning in look forward to um to uh you know visiting with you more in the future if you like today's episode please go ahead and like and share it and uh, we'll get the word out god bless of a group of people that broke away from the most powerful country in the 19th century to become the most powerful country in the 20th century. We are a group of people that have created a country so amazing that we used to be this. You came here and you could be anything you wanted if you're willing to work hard enough. And now we're people that need a sign warning us that coffee is hot. If you live in this country and need to know coffee's hot, put a helmet.